Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Green Pastures and Cold Caves. Green Pastures and Cold Caves. In Psalms 23, David wrote these words. He said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil because his rod and his staff will comfort me. In those three verses, or the first three lines of the poem, he's saying there are certain seasons where I am walking in the green pastures of abundance. But there are also seasons where I am walking in the valley of trouble and sleeping in caves. He's in green pastures and he's also in the valley. There's some times where he is experiencing an abundance in his life. Everything is going right. And then there are other times where he is walking through the valley and he's sleeping in the cave of trouble. We hate caves of trouble. We love green pastures of abundance. But there is a purpose for the cave. There's a purpose. The way you walk into a cave of trouble is not the way you walk out. You walk in with a certain mentality. But when you walk out, God has changed the way you think. You walk in with a certain relationship with God. But when you walk out of the cave of trouble, the season of trouble, the tough seasons, the hard times, you are more intimate than you have ever been with him. You walk into a cave all alone, feeling all alone, not knowing who to turn to. But when you walk out, you know that there's a God on the throne and he is for you. And if he is for you, then everything else is going to be okay. Put your hands together for that. There is a huge difference between knowing that God is for you mentally, logically, cognitively. You know God is for you. And knowing that he is going to do something for you. There's a big difference. Everybody believes that there is a God, but will he get involved in our life? You discover that in the cave. See, David in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find out that this young boy spent his childhood years and his teenage years in the field of obscurity. He was out there by himself watching sheep. He had no family with him. He had no friends with him. It was common for his family to forget that he was even out there. While he was out there, he defended those sheep with his life. 
Once a bear came in and he fought and killed the bear with his bare hands. Just a young teenage boy. Another time a lion came in and he fought the lion and killed the lion with his bare hands. A young teenage boy fighting battles that no one else knows about. Have you ever been fighting a battle that no one else knows about and you just try to smile your way through it? The smile might be plastic, but it's there. Are you with me? Say yes. Have you ever been in a room full of people and felt completely alone because you're fighting battles that no one else knows about? Are you with me? Say yes. This is what David was doing. He was fighting battles that he thought were never going to be known by anybody else except for him and the sheep that he took care of. He spent his time worshiping God. He spent his time playing a harp, worshiping God. So we have a young man who is a warrior and a worshiper. You will never learn how to war until you learn how to worship. Worshipers win wars. If you know how to worship, you are going from victory to victory to victory. If you find that you are losing battles, don't get caught up in fighting the battle. Get caught up in worshiping the God who can win the battle. Are you with me? Get caught up in it. Get caught up in it. In 1 Samuel 16, he's fighting bears. He's fighting lions. He's, he's worshiping God. He's got greatness on the inside of him. Some of you in this room, you know you have greatness in you. You know it. The way you think, the way you write, the books that you write, the poems that you write, the songs that you write, the way you play, your analytical thinking, your creative thinking. You know there's greatness inside of you, but it's, it's frustrating because you're living in a cave. There's nobody that knows anything about you. Not the secret things, not the special things. You're in a cave, a cave of trouble. Things are not going well. Remember this, greatness cannot be kept in a secret. You cannot hold greatness back. If someone is great, the world will find you. People will discover you. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, if a man can write a better book or preach a better sermon or make a better mousetrap, though he builds his house in the woods, the world will make a beaten path to his door. I want to encourage you this morning. Caves are lonely. There's nobody in there with you. They might be there physically, but they're not there emotionally. They're not there spiritually. They don't care the way you care. They don't hurt the way you hurt. You feel all alone. I want you to know that you're in that cave for a purpose to develop things that you cannot develop in the green pastures. You can't do it. You can't do it. If God could make you into the person that he makes you in the cave, then in the, in the green pastures, he'd never bring you to the cave. There's something that happens inside of that cave. Something happens in there. You, you, I'll get to that in a minute. I got ahead of myself. 
So he finds himself in the king's courts. Someone discovered him. See, Saul was in a great depression. A spirit of distress was upon him. And his servant came up to him and said, what we need is somebody who knows how to worship to come in here and change the atmosphere. And Saul said back to him, can you do that? He said, no, I can't do it. Do we have any servants in the kingdom that knows how to worship? No. None of us know how to worship. True worship is a lost art. I bet you there were some people in the kingdom that used to know how to worship, but they haven't done it in so long, they don't believe in it anymore. And so the servant of Saul said, none of us know how to do that. I just want to say, if you know how to worship God, if you know how to change the atmosphere in your own house, you possess a weapon that is so great there is no price tag on it. You can change the atmosphere with your worship. So he said, none of us can do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. And then someone said, there is this young teenage boy out in the field. Not a lot of people know about him, but he's a warrior. You can't keep greatness a secret. He's a warrior. And he's a worshiper. Listen to this. And the Lord is with him. Saul said, go get him, bring him here. So he comes in and he starts playing the harp. The spirit in the kingdom changes. The spirit of depression was ripped off the shoulders of Saul. He is experiencing the presence of God, the freedom of God, because one person came in that knew how to worship and it changed everything. How did David learn how to worship? He was out in the valley. He was out alone. He was out, you say, no, 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 he was out in the green pastures. His sheep was in the green pastures. He was in the valley. He was by himself. Have you ever been in a situation where everybody's doing good except for you? (laughs) Everybody's doing good except for you. So they bring him in and he starts changing the atmosphere. He starts worshiping. And all of a sudden, Saul starts looking at this young man that knows how to worship, that has a relationship with God, and fruit is being bared because he worships. And when he worships, God moves. And he starts getting jealous. He picks up a spear. See, people who are not willing to pay the price to have a relationship with God, are always jealous of the people that do. They're jealous of the people who have paid a price. Everybody can have a relationship with God. Everybody can change the atmosphere just by worshiping his name. But not everybody does it. So Saul picks up a spear. He throws it at David. And David's like the Matrix. He goes, that was close. Turns around, all of a sudden he picks up another spear and throws slow motion. As the spear is coming, he's thinking to himself, I don't think I'm welcome here anymore. I don't think I'm welcome here anymore. And so he leaves the green pastures. He finally arrived to the green pastures of abundance. He's in the king's room. He's sitting at the king's table. 
He's in the green pastures. Everything is going great. And then COVID comes. (laughs) Everything was fine. And all of a sudden, a spear called this winter storm. Almost killed me. (laughs) All of a sudden, everything's going great. And then we lose the job. Almost killed me. But I'm still alive. Is there anybody here still alive? Something almost got you. It almost got you. You almost got me. You you ever want to look at the devil and go, you almost, almost got me. Almost got me. Almost jumped off a bridge. But I know the man who built the bridge. I know the man who slung the stars. And I know the man who put it up there. And he loves me. And if he loves me, everything's going to be okay. And so off David goes, he leaves the kingdom, the green pastures, the wonderful green pastures. And guess what? He finds himself back in the valley of trouble, back in the cave of trouble. He's sitting in the cave and he gives us a gift. He wrote a poem about what he was thinking. In Psalms 142, there are seven verses And he says these words. He says, God, I'm crying out to you twice in seven stanzas, in seven verses. He says, God, I am crying out to you. And he says this in the New Living Translation. I am overwhelmed. And nobody will help me because nobody is thinking about me. Have you ever needed help, but you know nobody's even thinking about you? No one's even thinking about you. You need a new job. You need your marriage to get put back together. You need these things, but there is no one that can help. That's how you know you're in the cave. You're in the cave when you got a problem that nobody can help you with. If you are a depressive person, you already know no one can help you. If they did, you would have beaten their door down until they did. There's no one that can help. If your son, if your daughter is in a bad place, there's no one that can help you. You're in a cave. You're not in the green pastures of abundance, skipping through the daisies, saying life is good, God is great, God is good, God is great, all the time. God is good. All the time. No, that's not happening when you're in the cave. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. So he's in the cave and he says, nobody's even thinking about me. I am overwhelmed. Let's remember this. Caves are classrooms, not homes. Caves are there to teach you lessons, not to make a bed. You learn what you need to learn and you get out of the cave. I heard somebody say, if you're walking through hell, just keep walking. You'll get through it. It's when you sit down and think that it's never going to change. That's when you start feeling the heat that can cook your soul. You got to keep walking. But what are the lessons that we need to learn in the cave? What are they? Let's get super practical. What are they? There's two. There's a lot, but I'm only going to talk about two. The first one is when you realize... That worship is a constant activity. It's not seasonal. 
It's constant. It's something that you continually do. Not when the confetti is coming down like, you know, those people who win the Super Bowl and they interview them and they go, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's easy. That's so easy when the confetti is coming down. But what about when it's hailing? What about when it's hailing fire and brimstone on everything you own? That's when you back up and you say, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And somebody says, uh, do you see what's going on? And you say back, it doesn't matter what's going on. I know I'm in the cave. I know I'm in a rough spot. Psalms 34 verse 1 is still the anthem of my life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises will always be on my lips. I will bless the Lord. You're in a cave. I will bless him in the cave. I will bless him. I will praise him. You, this is easy to preach. Hard to live. It's easy for me to stand up here and say, Celebration Church of the Woodlands, Texas. It doesn't matter what happens. Bless the Lord at all times. Keep praises always on your lips. But can Frankie say that Monday morning? Can I say it Tuesday? What about when a winter storm blasts our city like never before and we lose our lights and our electricity and I'm standing in the dark freezing? Now can I say I'll bless the Lord? At all times. His praises will always be on my lips. We learn how to worship constantly in the cave. The people who don't learn how to worship in the cave live in the cave. They die in the cave. The people that learn how to worship while they're in the cave, when nothing is going well, they don't even sit in the cave. They're there to learn and get out. Learn and get out. You know, worship is, is a sweet sound. Uh, last summer, my wife and I took our kids to the zoo. And one of our worship leaders, Crystal Williams, went with us. And her husband, Ryan, and uh, they, they brought their kids. And so it was their kids and our kids. And we're walking through the zoo. And, and Crystal knows how to sing, obviously. She's one of our worship leaders. Everywhere we went, she's singing, 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 singing. <laughs> Have you ever been around somebody who likes to sing and that's all they do is sing? Come on. <laughs> singing. We saw a giraffe. We're all looking at the giraffe. And here's Crystal. My God is an awesome God. He reigns. What are you doing? We're looking at a giraffe. We go see the lion. We're just all, look at the lion. Oh, look, he moved his paw because they never move, right? You go to the zoo, they never move. And so we're saying, oh, he moved his paw. Oh, he's about to stand up. He's about to stand up. Oh, look. He's... And here's Crystal. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. And I'm like, we're looking at a lion. She's singing. It didn't matter what we were looking at. We're looking at a crocodile. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. What is going on? 
And then the kids would distract her and she had to take care of them. And then she started eating lunch with the rest of us. And I was like, every time the kids would distract her, I would like, kids, get away. I want her to start singing again. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking. I'm like, take the food out of your mouth and start singing. I want to hear you singing again. I'm walking around with a worshiper. Keep going. Can I just tell you that that's what the Lord says to you? He says, nobody sounds like you. We say, I sound like a frog in a bucket. Nobody sounds like you. No worshiper can take your place. They might be able to outsing you, but they can't outworship you. They can't outworship you. And that worship that's continuous becomes continuous while you're in the cave. Because it's in the cave you realize nobody else is in here. Nobody else is going to help me. There, I don't, there's nothing going well in this cave. I don't have any help. All I have is you. And so I'm going to worship you with my whole heart. I'm going to worship you. It will forever be on my lips. And I'm not going to stop. That's the first thing you learn in the cave. The second thing you learn in a cave is can you have faith when you are at your wit's end? Your wit's end. It is easy to have faith in God when you have confidence in yourself. But when you lose confidence in yourself, that's when we find out how strong is your faith in God. It's easy to say, I have faith in God that he will provide for us when you got a sweet job and you're getting paid very well. Go ahead and lose that job. Now what? Now what? Can you still say, it's okay, God's with us. It's easy. It's easy to say God has taken care of our family. He's good to us. He's going to take care of us. When everybody's gathered around a birthday cake and we're all singing happy birthday to somebody and everybody's in a great mood, that's easy to say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for being so good to our family. But mess around and let somebody in that circle go crazy. It messes up the whole room. Are you with me? Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. I came home to your family and said, what happens when your family isn't going well and all of a sudden you put your church mask on? I said, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. We're always blessed and highly favored. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's be real with each other. Sometimes the family unit isn't going well. It's not going well. Thanksgivings get awkward when the family unit isn't going well. You're praying Uncle Rick doesn't show up, but you have to invite him anyway. Let's remember this. There's something brilliant. There's something beautiful. When a person stands at the Red Sea and looks around and says, I know... We don't know where to go. But don't worry about it. God is with us and he'll make a way. Oh, there's something attractive about that kind of a person, isn't there? There's something attractive about a person 
who is being dragged and thrown into the fiery furnace. And as they're being dragged, they say, don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God is in this. Some ways, somehow it's going to work out. Some ways, don't worry about it. Excuse me, sir. You're about to be thrown into a furnace. Don't worry about it. You learned this in the cave. When you are sitting in a den of lions, surrounded by people who want to hurt you, and you're sitting in the den of lions and you go, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God's with me. There's something incredibly attractive. There's something brilliant. There's something powerful about a person that can stand in the middle of the night sky and say, the sun's going to come up in the morning. Don't worry about it. These are the things you learn in the cave. You don't have to learn faith when you're in the green pastures of abundance. You learn faith when you're in the cave of trouble. When you have nothing else. David said this. He brings me to the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. But in those moments. When I am walking in the valley. I don't worry. His rod and his staff. They have me. I want you to know. That our whole life got turned upside down in 2020. It's okay. God's with you. And he's for you. He's with you. And he's for you. Come on, put your hands together for that. He's with you. And he's for you. Say that with me. He's with me. Say it. He's with me. And he's for me. He's with me. And he's for me. Come on, everybody participate. He's with me. And he's for me. Let's all stand to our feet and give him a standing ovation. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. Come on, say it. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. I want to play a video that's about a minute and a half. Go ahead and check this out. When we'd come into church a couple of Sundays ago, I was having terrible pain in my back. My husband and I went in and sat down because my back was hurting so bad that morning. Frankie started to preach. He was talking about healing towards the end there. He started praying a healing prayer, and he talked about the healing oils. Pastor Frankie asked if anyone felt anything or had a miracle to raise your hand. I couldn't bring myself to do that. I'm kind of a little bit quieter. And church was over, and I was walking out thinking, I don't hurt. Went through the week, started out my week, and I still had no pain. Wednesday, I started to feel a little bit of pain of that week. And I closed my eyes. I was all into that. And when I opened my eyes, that pain was gone, and I haven't felt it since. I'm one of those people that I've got arthritis in my lower back and a degenerating disc, and I get back procedures once to twice a year for the last several years. And I'm so excited to think that I may not have to do that anymore. It's just the 
best thought in the world. I go about my day, I feel nothing back there. And when I do help doing anything, I get a little soreness, it's gone the next day. To me, this is the biggest miracle ever, ever, and I just thank God every day for it. You know, whenever I pray alone during the week, I tell God, I want you to do miracles. I want you to do miracles in Celebration Church. And I'm okay if you don't use me. I just want to be in the room. You don't have to use me. You don't have to give me any gifts. You don't have to flow through me. I just want to be in the room. The Father, heart of God, says back to you and back to me, I know, but I want to do miracles with you. But right now, I want to see what he will do without anyone's help. The lady on that screen, she got healed without anybody praying for her. I remember that service. We just had our hands out like this and we asked the Holy Spirit to do something. I challenged everybody in the room, if there's a part of your body you can't move, I want you to try to move it. And then I said, if it's inside of you and you can't provoke the pain, then just stand there and allow his presence to come down like a waterfall. If you can provoke the pain, then try to do something that you couldn't do before. If you're deaf in one ear, close the good ear and just pray that Jesus opens it. And let's see what he does. And so that's what I want to do right now. I I just want to see the Holy Spirit do something without me. I know his preference is to use you and to use me. Because he's a... He's a dad. If I'm going to go on a trip, I'd like to go on a trip with one of my kids. I'd much rather do that than go by myself. But let's just see the awesomeness of God for a moment. I'd like for everybody to just put your hands out like you're going to receive something. Now what I want you to do, because God's going to do more than just heal people, Because not everybody here needs a healing. Maybe half of the room needs a physical healing and the other half doesn't. For the half that doesn't, you have a different need. You have a different desire. Maybe it's not a need. It's a desire. A need would be, I need a job. A desire would be, give me a raise. Or, it's nothing tangible. I just want to feel your presence. With your hands like this, I want you to just tell the Lord what you want. Tell Him what you want.
I'm going to pray. If you need a healing in your body, I want you to start moving while I'm praying. If you need God to just give you more of his presence, I just want you to stand there and be ready. And the minute you know that the Lord is doing something with you, sometimes sometimes I just get emotional. I know the Lord is touching me. Sometimes I get really emotional. And it's usually at the wrong times. But I know the Lord is touching me and I don't, I'm willing to look silly and willing to look stupid just to have his presence a little closer to my heart. If you know the Lord is touching you, if you feel heat or if you feel tingling, you feel coldness, or you're able to move your body in a way that you couldn't before, you just know the Lord is touching you. I want you to come out of your seat. And, and don't lie, because if you lie about what you wish you were feeling, you may miss it when you really are being touched. That said, if he touches you, even if you feel a graze on the side of your face and the hair on your body stands up on end and you feel these, this chill or goosebumps, don't ask him to do it again just to confirm that he touched you. Just respond. Put your hands in the air with your eyes closed. The minute you know he's touching you, I want you to get out of your seat as quickly as you can and come down here and pray. Holy Spirit, do what we can't do. Do what a song can't do. Do what a sermon can't do. Do what a person can't do. Move in this room right now. Move in this room. If you're getting emotional, I want you to come down to the front. If you have any indication at all that the Lord is touching you, come down to the front. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, move. Move like wind. Move like wind. Move like wind. If you have any indication that you've been healed, come to the front. Any indication. Holy Spirit, do what we can't do. Holy Spirit, move in this room. Move in this room. Come as close as you can. Come as close as you can. I want to see you. Come as close as you can. If you did not come out of your seat and you're thinking, I should have came out of my seat. I felt something a moment ago and I just brushed it off. I ignored it. Come out of your seat right now. Come out. Come out. Come out. Come out. You did not come to church to be entertained. You did not come to church to be entertained. You came to church because you want an encounter. There's a difference between coming to be entertained and coming because you want an encounter. This is the moment where you have an encounter. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, move on your children, on your children, on your children, on your children, on your children. They're your children. They're your children. Move. 
If you wish to have an encounter, but you are not, say it. Say it. James 4.2 says you have not because you ask not. Ask. I'm imploring you. Ask. Jesus, move. Jesus, 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 Jesus. 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 If you need a healing in your body, try to do something you couldn't do. The presence of the Lord is here. Try to do something you could not do. If you get healed at Celebration Church, it is your responsibility to give Him glory. It's your responsibility. The Bible says, do not touch His glory. Email us and tell us about it. It's my responsibility as a pastor to stay away from His glory.